Hello, and welcome to Real Nutrition Talk. My name is Olivia Russell, and I am the owner of a nutrition education business named Intuitive Dieta. And my name is Regan Alexander. I have my master's in nutrition as well as my personal trainer certification through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. In this podcast, we are going to dive deep into health, wellness, and nutrition, debunking diet myths as we go. In our current age of information, it's nearly impossible to find useful nutrition advice, and it's really exhausting listening to all the contradictions that exist. That's why we're here. Follow along as each week we sit down to discuss a different topic in order to determine if it is diet trash or treasure. We're so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Congrats on joining us for episode two. How are you doing today, Olivia? I am doing. It is the holiday season, so I am doing. (laughs) When we're recording this, it's Thanksgiving next week, pretty much a week from tomorrow. So we thought it'd be fun to start off this podcast with talking about Thanksgiving traditions, food, otherwise. Olivia, what are some fun things you do on Thanksgiving or eat? Ooh, well, I didn't have like Thanksgiving traditions until I met my husband and my husband's family does something really cool. Every year they do the Thanksgiving games and (laughs) his mom sets up this whole like course where you shoot the turkey, you bake the turkey, and then you pull the turkey out of the oven. But it's like you shoot the turkey with like a Nerf gun. Uh Uh-huh. And then you throw a sock in, like, a bucket to, like, put it in the oven. Yeah. And then the last one changes every year, the way that they do it, because they haven't, like, settled on anything. But the best part is when my husband was, like, eight, him and his brother-in-law made a trophy for it, which is basically (laughs) an Abraham Lincoln head on top of, like, a two-by-four. Oh, my gosh. And that's Thanksgiving games. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) And the first year I almost won and I had to throw the game because I was only dating him. And I was like, I don't want to put my name on the trophy because they put their name on it every year. Whoever wins gets to write their name on the trophy. And I was like, we've only been dating for like two months. And I was like, (laughs) can't have my name be on this for eternity. And it'll forever be like an argument, not really, but like an argument between us. Cause he's like, you didn't throw it. You lost. And I was like, no, I threw the game. I couldn't win. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. What about you? What's something, either something fun you eat or a tradition? Yeah. Well, I feel like we eat pretty traditional food. My mom, I don't know if this was my aunt's recipe or my mom's recipe, both make it. But it's chocolate bourbon pecan pie has quickly become like oh, the fa- fan favorite. <laughs> I need the recipe. <laughs> I, I will get it for you because I was just thinking about that before this podcast. I'm like, I feel like Olivia would really appreciate this recipe. So yes, my job this year is to make pecan pie. So. There you go. There you go. So that's a fan favorite. As far as tradition, so my both my mom and dad side live in South Dakota. I was born in South Dakota. We're the weirdos that moved to Wisconsin. So mm-hmm. growing up, it was like every other year we'd go just because travel. So on the years we were home, it was just my immediate family. So I have three sisters and then my parents. But I, when I grew up, like we got a Wii and that was like the thing. 
And so on Thanksgiving, after we ate, we'd have a Wii tennis tournament. And oh. me and my sisters would make all the brackets, everyone would play. And then we kept track year by year who won. I'm, I don't even remember anymore, but I'm pretty sure I won a lot of the time. It was down to me and my older sister usually. But that was just fun because all my sisters and I were into sports and my dad traveled a lot for work. So getting to spend a chunk of time as like a full family playing a game was always really special. So awesome. See, everyone has like the most interesting like Thanksgiving traditions. And yeah. I I grew up with like my parents used to switch me off for Thanksgiving. So one year I'd be at one house and one year I'd be at the other. And so there was never like room for tradition because mm -hmm. it was so different all the time. So it was so fun getting into my like husband's family and yeah. <laughs> them having this and his family's huge. He's got three older sisters and an older brother. Wow. And I think we're up to seven nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. So it's like 20 people. This, these games get serious too. That's like so his family fun. gets serious. This is this is the exact reason why I'm like to my husband and then my siblings and then my sister and brother-in-law. I'm like, everyone needs to have a bunch of kids because when you have like big family gatherings, it's so fun. Totally. 100%. I agree. <laughs> All right. What are we talking about today, Olivia? Let's get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about why going to grad school for nutrition ruined our lives. <laughs> that sounds so dramatic, but wait till you hear our point. It ruined our lives in like the best way, yeah. but also has definitely complicated, complicated our lives. Yeah, in, in a bit of a way. So where should we start? What are we starting with? The science? Should we start there? We should, because that's what everyone loves. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here's a giant nutrition secret that I feel like nobody talks about. We don't know as much about nutrition as I feel like all the people make it seem, right? Like yeah, totally. all the agencies and the government stuff. We don't know that much about nutrition. Dietetics didn't start until like the early 1900s. So it is a fairly new science, which means we don't have a lot of research that proves all the things that they say it proves. <laughs> and if people aren't familiar with how good science and conclusions are drawn you really need to study something over like 50 years minimum to see the impacts it has on someone's like lifespan so really a lot of the things we're studying yeah there's evidence to point different ways but there's it hasn't been studied long enough to draw specific conclusions right and a lot of the studies that are out there are really small cohorts they're usually not diverse. Most of nutrition science was done on men until about, what was it, the 60s? Yeah, they they did all, almost all of our nutrition guidelines were based on men until probably the last 40 to 50 years, maybe. Right. So, <laughs> which is know. so confusing, you guys, because women's hormones and men's hormones are different and women function on like 24 hour cycles and a 30 day cycle so the way you metabolize nutrients is very different so you really need both people both yeah we, we need the comparison <laughs> yes. also a lot of the research is only done on white cohorts so like mm -hmm. anglo-saxon people. Yep. And so there's not a lot of studies on uh, Native Americans. If they are, they're really biased. Mm -hmm. 
same with African American. There's a lot of really, really biased research out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and to go off of people being studied as well. So another thing when you're doing research is that it has to be ethically sound. So I think a lot of nutrition things are harder to study because you can't just pick a group of people and say like, hey, we're going to like take this nutrient out of your diet and see what the effects are on XYZ. So that also makes it a lot harder to study as well. Exactly. Like you can't take an entire macronutrient out of someone's diet without like some sort of long-term consequences and a lot of our research is actually based on when we didn't have those ethical guidelines in place and so for what was it the starvation study was done in the 20s 40s i think it was the 30s because it was people who opted out of world war one draft right and so they literally starved people but that was before we had all these ethical things in place. And so a lot of people will use that study as evidence in their own studies. However, they can't actually confirm anything in that study anymore because we have guidelines that restrict them from doing things like starving people. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We should, we should definitely talk about the Minnesota starvation experiment later on in a different podcast because it's, it's fascinating. It is. And we should do it when we talk about calories because everyone likes to talk about calories. And that is where I feel like it all, all roads start kind of there when, because that's how they studied calorie deficits in people is that was the point of the study was to see how long someone could survive off of a certain amount of calories. So, so moral of the story is I think both of us, at least for me, went into this the nutrition program we did thinking, wow, I'm going to learn some answers. I'm going to be well-versed on how to tell people how to eat. And really not only did you get, I wouldn't say confused, but you just realize how much we don't know, how much is definitive and how individualized nutrition really has to be. Right. Exactly. And I feel like that is a great segue into talking about bioindividuality because oh, yeah. That is the most challenging aspect of nutrition science is no one person digests or utilizes nutrients the same as the other person. It can be similar, but nobody digests things the same. Two different people could eat the same exact thing and have two absolutely different health results. Yeah. So when people are like, I have this diet, it works for everyone. Reagan and I are always like, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. A lot, a lot of the way you metabolize, especially micronutrients like vitamins and minerals, is genetically based. Like I took a nutritional genetics elective and we looked at how based on different genes, take vitamin B12, for example, based on what genes you have differentiates what vitamin b12 supplement you should take because some of them you can absorb and some of them you just won't absorb so little things like that just shows how it's different for everybody the genetics class was probably one of the most interesting yet complicated (laughs) topics to take because that was like the nail in the head where you really finally at least for me like i really understood bioindividuality is has such a huge impact 
Mm -hmm. on nutrition. And so it makes it really challenging to discuss nutrition when most people are used to black and white, right? Yep. Yep. Most people are used to listening to like government agencies or the three letter agencies like the AHA and whatever of them saying you should eat this amount of carbs and this amount of vegetables and this amount of protein and you should have this amount of all these B vitamins and all the different vitamins. When the reality is people function completely differently on different stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like take Reagan and I, for example. Reagan as a vegan, she functions really well as a vegan. However, when I attempted, I didn't even attempt vegan. I tried vegetarianism <laughs> and my body did not have it. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that our bodies aren't super cool and can adjust because that's what they're made for. They're made to adjust. However, are those adjustments harmful in the long run? I think is the answer we don't have with that's nutrition a, science. That's such an interesting point because I think that's why fad diets are popular and seem to work because it's people's bodies will adjust. But we can see in the long term, not to cause the stir the pot here, but like especially with keto, a lot of the long term effects are not good. Right. Oh, we can. We're gonna do a whole thing right. on that because your girls got a whole story on uh, why the whole anti-fat craze trend. Craze, yeah. yeah. The whole anti-fat craze is actually why we're having so many health issues in America now, and yeah. I'm really excited to talk about that. Exactly. <laughs> Moral of the story, ladies: you need fat for your hormones to function. Yeah, we all need fat. It's also the thing that makes your nervous system function properly. So, yeah. and also fat equals flavor. So if you don't have fat in your food, then your food's probably not tasting good, which means are you satisfied with your food? Yeah. And if you're not satisfied with your food, are you maybe overeating to compensate for the fact that you aren't satisfied with your food? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think at the end of the day, what really ruined us is Throughout our whole program, we obviously learned the science, right? We we had to do very, very extensive research projects on nutrition. And at the end of the day, even though we took a medical nutrition therapy course, right, that we needed that to get our master's in nutrition. And so we learned all of these protocols that are part of dietetics that are in order for you to practice as a dietitian or nu nutritionist, you need to know medical nutrition therapy because those are the protocols mm -hmm. that are required if you work in a hospital or a even an outpatient setting. Anything that has to do with medical conditions, you have to know medical nutrition therapy. Mm -hmm. And so we took that whole course and had to do all the research in it. And then we took a genetics class and then we took our intuitive eating, eating disorder class, oh, yeah. which told us, yes, but. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like that's such a good summation of our whole experience. Yes, but. <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Just that phrase. And so it made it really challenging. Now we're out of school. We're out in the real world. And people are asking us these questions, right? Like, what diet should I be on? Or what? how much protein do I need to be eating? How much carbs is the right amount of carbs? All should these I things. Gluten? Right. <laughs> right. Should I cut out gluten? Oh, my God. Yeah. Another great topic. Great. <laughs> but 
at the end of the day, it's a yes, but. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or no, but. (laughs) Yes. Everything is nuanced. And I think this highlights the importance of when you're choosing a, if you want to work with a nutrition professional, choosing someone that keeps up with the research and uses the research to add to and possibly change their beliefs on what they're telling people is really important because one of the biggest things like Olivia said that we learned in school was how to research topics and how to differentiate between good research and poor research and how to use that in how we're helping people and so if you have someone that doesn't keep up with the research you're not going to get that good of advice because nutrition is such a rapidly growing field and we're learning more and more each day. Right. Ooh, I think we should also touch on weight bias in nutrition research because a lot, a lot of nutrition research is weight biased. And let's just get this out. Let's get it out now. Rip the bandaid off. Weight is not a behavior. And weight is not a medical indicator of a medical condition. Not at all. Not at all. Your weight does not matter. It's behaviors, genetics, and environment. Those are the things that are going to impact your health. (laughs) Yes. Just get that out there now. However, you look at our society, right? And our society is obsessed with weight. And so that absolutely translates into research. Because a lot of the research looks at weight as an outcome for certain research when weight is not an outcome for medical therapies because weight is dependent on 10,000 other things and cannot be a deciding factor on a research conclusion. Exactly. Exactly. And I think especially Western medicine, they want quick, they they want to give people things like if you lose x amount of pounds then all these problems will be fixed or nowadays like here you can take this weight loss drug and then everything will be better when really it's not the weight so much that matters it's the lifestyle and behavioral and mental health things that are impacting that person's health more that should be addressed right but we only look at weight a lot of times yeah and i mean they weigh us when we go to the doctors. Fun fact, you do not, not need to get weighed. You can decline from that. And if your medical professional is making you feel guilty about your weight, you don't need to see that medical professional again. Go exactly. find someone else because exactly. that's not a way to look at someone's health. Weight doesn't matter. Right. And I think it if you're feeling uncomfortable, if they're pushing back, say well, why do you need my weight? And I don't think they'll have an answer for you because yes, there are some very specific medications where the dosage will matter on your weight. But if you're just going for a checkup or continuing appointments and you're not planning on getting medication, they don't need your weight, guys. (laughs) Right. And the only medications that it matters is heart medication and chemotherapy. Yep. Those are the two drugs where weight matters the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, any other medication outside of that, it doesn't really matter unless you're an extreme on the on the spectrum if you're like extraordinarily skinny which is okay or if you're bigger you're in your body and i feel like this is a conversation we need to have in another podcast because there's so many avenues we can go down so when we talk about weight and weight not being 
a determining factor in health. Guys, we're not talking about like super, very extremely obese people that are like on those shows on TLC. We're just talking about your everyday average American. Everyone knows there's like a variety of people. There's a spectrum of people. Yeah. I feel like everyone is like, oh my gosh, but it's so unhealthy when you're like 600 pounds. We're not talking about. But also (laughs) the average person probably won't even get to 600 pounds. Like the people who are on those extremes also have Mm-hmm. A bunch of other medical conditions that they yep. never talk about on shows like that. Exactly. Like the 600, 600 pound life. First of all, they don't ever talk about mental health. And a yep. lot of those people do have serious mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And mental health has an extreme impact on yeah. your health and on your weight. Yeah. We're not talking about extremes here. We're talking about the average person. Your weight is not an indication of your health. Correct. And I get so much pushback from like either just like people in general about that because it's so ingrained into our society. And so that's why it's so ingrained into our research too, because research is supposed to account for bias, right? There's supposed to be good research accounts for bias, but a lot of the studies you look at for, for stuff that um, takes weight into account, they're not taking into account why someone weighs a certain amount they're just saying their weight is an indication of their health and that's false (laughs) correct so that's another reason why nutrition school ruined my life (laughs) that was that was big for me because i feel like we talked about in our very first episode kind of all of my eating disorder issues and body dysmorphia issues and i think learning that and hitting that really hard in my head was really important for making me a good nutritionist because now I can be outside of that bias and I I know a lot of nutritionists dietitians medical professionals still have that bias and therefore could potentially be doing harm unintentionally because I don't think there's any nutritionist or medical professional out there trying to do harm obviously right right we're not taught these things in school. Reagan and I had to go out of our way to take a eating disorder and intuitive eating course in order to learn all of these different biases and all of the ways that weight bias impacts not only our clients, but our research and our just everything. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I, I will be forever grateful that I chose to take that intuitive eating elective because it just completely changed the way I personally thought about nutrition, incorporated nutrition in my own life. And I mean, we're going to do a whole episode on it, but intuitive eating is not just, I'm going to eat whatever I want. So I'm going to eat junk food all day. No, you're not. Like if you're truly intuitive eating, you crave vegetables. Yeah. You also crave junk food. Like that's a whole other episode. Well, moral of the story is that we love nutrition school and i think we're both happy that we went to a more holistic minded university shout out to the national university of natural medicine yeah where we both went we took their online nutrition program (laughs) it was really great it's really great because it's i don't want to say controlled but it's not controlled (laughs) it is accredited but like it's not like 
government taught nutrition whereas like if you're a registered dietitian you go through yeah you can talk about the fine nuances but right <laughs> the the accreditation that we um had the potential to get was the clinical nutrition specialist the cns mm -hmm. licensure but because of the way uh, licensing works in the United States, it varies state by state. And so some people need to get the CNS to practice as a nutritionist and some people don't. Yep. I, um, in New Mexico, did not need to get the CNS. I was able to get um, licensure and I just had to take the dietetics exam. And really, it just comes down to what insurance is going to cover typically on what you're called, you know? So basically, if you want to know who you're working with in a state, if someone says that they're a nutritionist, you can look at what does a nutritionist mean in insert state like Idaho, New Mexico, whatever. And then you can even look at what program they did. But really what education they have matters a little bit more than, you know, what title they go by. Exactly. It's it's the gray area. Nutrition is still very gray area again, because we just don't have a lot of science that backs accreditation right now mm -hmm. really that's like at the end of the day the only difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian or a licensed nutritionist and a dietitian is dietitians get extra education on um pharmaceuticals yep that's the biggest difference between them and that's because usually dietitians are working in a hospital setting or they're working in an outpatient setting or even inpatient setting but we really enjoy, I mean, I really enjoyed learning everything about nutrition. And at the end of the day, that's what made me passionate about intuitive eating. Exactly. <laughs> like that's where the road led after learning all sorts of yes, but things. Yep. <laughs> I ended yes. up with intuitive eating because truly our bodies are fantastic and they tell us what we need if we take the time mm -hmm. to like listen. And yeah, that's what we learned. <laughs> All right. So moral of this story, nutrition grad school ruined our lives, air quotes. More so, it just made our careers a bit more complicated than we anticipated. <laughs> yes, but complicated in a good way. Like yeah. we are much more prepared to deal with people as individuals and we're much better prepared to educate people in a way that's not black and white <laughs> it's yeah. not black and white it's not generic yes, yes. That's yeah yeah we, we learned a lot of critical thinking skills and that's important thank you guys so much for listening and we can't wait to see you on the next episode hey guys it's olivia here i just wanted to come on and let you guys know that i will be launching a 12-week program called intuitive diet academy at the end of January. I'm super excited about this program. It's something that I wish I had before I went to grad school when I was trying a bunch of different diets and weight loss programs. And it's gonna have everything about intuitive eating, different stress management techniques, cooking tips and tricks, there'll be meditations. There's so much on this. You're not gonna wanna miss this program. And also, if you join the waitlist before January 20th, there will be a 30% discount on the original price. So if you guys are interested, go ahead and check out that link down below and join that waitlist. I can't wait to see you guys there. 
Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Nutrition Talk with Reagan and I. If you love this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, tagged us in a story, or just left a comment or question on what you enjoyed and what you want more of. You can also follow us on Instagram with the links below in the show notes. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.